Country Podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Hello, 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 Oilers fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. As always, I am your host, John, from Montreal, Quebec. As well from Montreal, Quebec, is Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, okay, dude. Just continuing to ride out this coronavirus as we seem to do every episode, you know. The cases keep going up and up now and dealing with life as it is. I'm off uh, off work for another another month, so I got nothing but time. Yeah. Just podcasting and video games, eh? I, uh, Pretty much, yeah. I am going to come back to you, Kyle, because I know you've got a, a story and something I wanted to talk about with uh, in regards to the bet with Hockey Troll. But without further ado, we do want to bring in our guest for this week's episode. It is Sean Patrick Ryan from the Oil Knight, creator of the Oil Knight, or, uh, sorry, Prospect Network, as you've uh, named it now. And I, I got to say, Sean, before I uh, hear from you, your new website looks absolutely fantastic, by the way. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I got a lot of feedback saying, when are you going to modernize that thing? Make it a little bit more mobile friendly. So I've gone ahead and finally done that. So. Yeah, like when I went to it, I almost because I mean, we had you on earlier in the year and I not that it was a bad website by any means. But when I went on, I was like, shit, am I on the wrong, wrong one? Like it just completely threw me for a loop. And then I was like, oh, no, he's just vastly changed it and updated it. So awesome. But how are you doing? I'm doing as good as I can. Missing hockey, NHL hockey already. Missing OHL hockey, but at least we've we've got a draft to talk about and. There's the QMJHL season has started, so there, at least there's something to watch. Is there? I know you're you're very in tune with the junior, um, with CHL and and all the other junior leagues. So you mentioned the mm. Q coming in. What what is the tentative plan? Sorry to throw you on the spot here for the OHL and WHL right now. I know as far as the OHL goes, they're talking about December. They plan on starting season. Um, I know um, Mark Hunter, the GM of of the Knights said there last month that he expected to be a packed house in December, but I can't see that happening with the way COVID and everything's going. But I, as far as I know, they're aiming for uh, kind of the same idea with the NHL right now, like end of December, maybe early January. So okay. We'll so still a little bit of a gap here and it'll yeah. be interesting to see, like, I mean, I mean, first question for you, um, we are going to kind of get into the draft as well as the Oilers rumors, but one of the things that's been on my mind, do, do you think that affects the draft here at all? Like, do you think more maybe European players are taken based off that? Or is that, am I looking a little bit too far into that? It's a good question. I mean, we've never really kind of had this situation before, right? Um, I think it does probably help certain certain prospects in terms of their draft stock. Like a guy like Hendrix Lapierre, for example, he was hurt for most of the year. And he's had a, he had a nice start last night to the season. So because the draft is still a few days away, anybody that's kind of on the fence with him worrying about his health and that may think, well, okay, well, this guy might be a top 15 pick, but I'm worried about, you know, his injuries. Well, now he looked good last night and they might get a couple more viewings and that might tip the scale for them. And like you said, with uh, some of the European players, yeah, there's more exposure now. So it does kind of answer a few more questions that some of these scouts and GMs might have. So yeah, to answer your question, I think it does help them. That that is interesting. So I mean, this is going to be the first. I mean, the first year that I know of, anyways, where the NHL draft is actually after a junior season has already started. So 
it's going to be, I mean, it's just a weird year, not just hockey and not just drafts, just everything has been kind of thrown in into the loop. But, um, before we get too much into the Oilers, I do, I do want to bounce back to you, Kyle. So you had, you had kind of, you were telling me something interesting going on with your dad. Did you want to, you want to share that with our, with our listeners and with Sean? Uh, well, my dad is like, he's a fairly successful businessman, right? He's a respectable guy. Uh, and he does, a some work for, for people in, uh, in Banff, Alberta, of course, right. He lives in Camlore. Um, and he was doing work for, for Mr. Glenn Sather. And I knew this, this happened like a couple of years ago. And he said they, they hit it off a bit and, uh, you know, shot the shit for whatever, 10 minutes. Right. Is what I thought. And, uh, and never talked again. I was like, okay, that like cool story. Awesome. Uh, I called my dad a couple of days ago just to, uh, to, you know, uh, see how he was doing. And he told me he was out for beers with Glenn. And I lost my mind. I could not believe that my dad was casually. He, he was like, you know, we're not friends, but every time he's back in Banff, he'll hit me up. Usually he's not here this late. He's usually in New York this time of the year. And I was, how are you this casual about this? Like what? I, 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 yeah, I, I didn't know. I, don't I guess know. he's I, not, I, he's not an Oilers fan, blown away. but yeah, it, but, it is weird to like, and what you were telling me when, when he said, oh yeah, I'm over some beers with Glenn. You're like, Glenn who and he's like oh Glenn yeah. Sather and like yeah like like I so casually like... knew who Glenn was like I it's like I don't know your friend Glenn and he's like Glenn Sather you don't know that I can meet up with him like no obviously not you know yeah slats yeah slats, slats yeah. Eh? Yeah. yeah exactly like yeah unbelievable man I was just like dad you are way cooler than I will ever be for sure we're, yeah. we're gonna have to use that to our advantage and and get your get your dad to try and lay some groundwork to get him on the show Right. Yeah. Could you imagine? I don't even know what I would ask Glenn Sather. I mean, that's totally before my time, but hell, I'd love to have him still and, and get his take on some things. Um, so the other thing on, on your end, Kyle, so yeah. with the cup being awarded Stanley mm-hmm. or, uh, Tampa Bay winning the Stanley cup, you had a bet with hockey troll on our network that you didn't think it was going to happen and you owe him three shotgun beers on air. So I don't know how Sean would feel about this, but he's either going to be, uh, bummed that he doesn't get to see it or consider himself lucky that he doesn't have to watch you potentially throw up on camera, but we will be doing that next week. Is that correct? Yeah. Next week. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to save that away from here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're postponing and, and we'll see how that goes. Okay. Out of respect. Yeah. Anyways, guys, so getting right into the nitty gritty here, let's, uh, let's talk some Oilers and then let's get into the draft here. Just a sec, boys. So Sean, you were, you know, we're, we're in the peak rumor season right now, pre-draft, pre-free agency. And you, you had given me, um, or not, not me directly, but given Twitter a little bit of advice of, you know, kind of tempering expectations and everybody relax. (laughs) It's rumor season. And, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it's crazy this year. Like I, I know this, this portion or this segment of the year is always just so many, so many stories, not a lot of concrete info. So fans kind of go crazy, but it seems like this year, even more, more so than, than others in the past. And, and maybe that's something to do with just the state of the Oilers right now, um, trying to push into that, you know, contender status and, and really be true winners. But I kind of wanted to go through a couple of these, um, these rumors with the both of you and to kind of organize this, we're going to, we're going to start in net and move our way out. 
So the main ones I was seeing about Koskinen, he's, he posted top 15 numbers this year and there's kind of some, there was some Matt Murray rumors going around, whether we bring in, you know, another more legit number one goalie, number one B goalie, or do we move forward with Kosk as, as the guy? So for, for this one, we'll start with you, Sean. How are you looking at the old ten, or Oilers goaltending situation? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I like Koskinen. I do. And I think that like, if we look at the playoffs, for example, I put the majority of the blame on the defense. Like I thought the defense was really porous. I thought Clefbaum was borderline awful. I thought nurse really disappointed. Um, Mike Smith is garbage. So, I mean, yeah. I don't want to see him back in Oilers, but I think Koskinen, like you, you mentioned there, top 50, and I think he's good enough to, um, you know, to get you there kind of thing. And it'd be nice to add somebody, but I don't think, I think you're kind of, uh, you, you certainly don't want to waste any assets trying to acquire a guy like Darcy Kemper, for example, or whoever, because it's not really that much of an upgrade. Like Koskinen, you've invested the money in him. He's there. He's comfortable. I think I would just, I would stick with him, but I would certainly strengthen the team around him. Right. But obviously try and get a cheap alternative, maybe a younger guy that could kind of compliment him. Right. Bring in that one B and, and still play 30 to 40 games, Yeah, you know, depending on Koskinen's health, his performance, all those things. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, I certainly wouldn't go all in for a guy like Braden Holpe or trade a first round pick for Matt Murray or, or even trade a first for Kemper, like his, who's only got two years left on his contract. Right. I, I don't think that makes sense. I don't think the Oilers have enough aspect or enough um, assets for that. And I think Koskinen's good enough. Again, if you strengthen the team around him or the defense core in front of him, I think then. I, I think the one thing, Kyle, I'm curious what you think, but <clears throat> the the one spot where I'm at is this seems like one of the off seasons where if you need a goaltender and you're willing to pay for it, there's a ton on the market. So when, yeah. when I look at what Ken Holland might do, if we're looking at acquiring, I mean, I don't know about, I agree with you, Sean, of not paying a guy like Holby, but if you're really trying to improve that back end, this is kind of the year you want to do it. Cal, where are you at with, uh, with the goaltender situation? I mean, I mostly agree with Sean. I, I personally think our defense has been the issue. And I think most people do for the last decade plus, right? I mean, we had Dubnik play here. We had Scrivens when he was playing well. Not that Scrivens is a goalie. He's not in the league anymore. Talbot was playing well here, right? But the defense was always what crumbled. It wasn't the goalies for the most part. Sure, they had off games or off weeks, but I don't think, uh, as Sean said, that there's going to be a major upgrade in net from paying a star, quote unquote, like Holpe or or trading assets for one i think that's better off spent on adding to our defense which which i know you're going to move into next i don't want to jump ahead but like no, I think no, no, spending it on oel too is is an overpay and and too much i i i'm not interested in what the asking price is there but i'm sure you can bolster our defense some way through the free agency here um without having to spend way too much um assets in the future way too many yeah assets, I, I think with oel especially like Honestly, I'm firmly on the boat where I'm really grateful that as of right now, it seems like we're not on the list of teams that he's willing to go to. Mm -hmm. I, I think we really might have dodged a bullet there. Sean, were you where, where are you at with OEL? Like, do you do you think for the right price is he a guy you want, or does that contract scare you? Where are you at? 
yeah, the contract's ridiculous. And I mean, it's, I mean, he, I would consider him like all else, everything else being equal. He's an upgrade over Clefbaum as a number one. But again, it's like, that's, that's a long time and that's a lot of money. And then what are you giving up? The others don't have a lot of, they don't have a deep prospect pool. So what are you giving up for that? And just, and, and again, I kind of think about, uh, they were saying, oh, well, he's, he's coming off one bad year, really. And he's, what is he, 29 or whatever. Um, he'll bounce back. He'll bounce back. And I keep thinking about Lucci, Joe Lucci, Joe, he only had one <laughs> bad year. He'll bounce back, he'll, you know, and I just kind of have the same bad vibes. And I, I'm never a fan of giving up young defensemen like Bouchard, for example, at 20, what is he, 2021 going on 30. Um, for a 30 year old defenseman at yeah. Larson. like it just the risk is just I mean that could backfire too easily I just yeah, I would well, stay away from him and that was the rumor to ask right it was it was apparently Russell Bouchard and our 2020 first year which there's no way I'm paying that for no. OEL at that contract no way e- yeah. even if they're looking at retaining like two million dollars that's still a no for me like I I just mm-hmm. you look at trading a a minus defenseman <clears throat> excuse me like bouchard and and very rarely do teams win that trade like it just it's and the amount that... of promise that bouchard has shown already like i do think that he's ready to step into the nhl and and i i do think he can make it this year if not he's obviously top pairing down in the ahl and pushing through at the end of this season early next right so uh, yeah i i don't think that's a smart move to do that they the amount that that kid has shown offensively it, it's incredible. I, you know, he has to improve his skating and his defensive gap, but uh, I mean, he, he's going to learn. He's, he's might look 40, but the kid's 20. Right. So. And, and he looked to improve that fairly substantially over the first year in the AHL. So, I mean, still definitely an area for improvement, but you've got to imagine that he's at least going to be very much pushing for a, a top six position on our defense. So I, I want to take a step back here a little bit, so with Clefbaum being rumored to be out for the season and, you know, maybe even some people taking some, you know, from those rumors that maybe he's even potentially contemplating his future as a, as a hockey player. So we currently have Bear Bouchard and Jones as the, the young up and coming guys that, you know, seem more ready, especially obviously in Baron Jones and then nurse Larson and Russell as vets. So, with Benning sounding like he's not going to be qualified, who knows if maybe they're able to bring him back for less as a UFA. I mean, time will tell, but you know, you look at this defensive core and is this the time to make a substantial shakeup or are you looking at just adding a, you know, maybe a mid range free agent, a mid range trade to add a veteran to that group and, and ride it out. Uh I seen mentions of the Clefbaum injury surgery potentially taking a full season off to even being a career ender, but I've seen inklings of it. I haven't seen it being a major concern at this moment. Um, I mean, I until something's announced, add to the group, we don't know even if it is Clefbaum is on the roster. I potentially like a middle defenseman, a top four defenseman with moving Russell out. I think is probably our best option. Um, yeah, it, it, in the case that Clefbaum isn't there, I'm not comfortable with that core in any way. The, there's way too much uh, youth on that top six to to have the defensive responsibility and, and knowledge to get through the season. 
And if we get injured, like, what are we going to do then? Right. Yeah. You're relying on Lagason and whoever else is coming up from the pipeline to immediately fill that, or you're scrambling to make a trade in the middle of the season to, to, you know, patch and a, a hole. trade where everybody knows that you need it. So you're going to be overpaying for that as well. Yeah. Where are you at, Sean? Do you, th- do you think this needs a, a big shakeup assuming Clef bomb is out for the year? Yeah, I've been putting a lot of thought into it. I'm, I'm kind of in the, the camp now where, and the more I think about it, I think it's, I think Edmonton would be best served to just embrace their youth. And I think, um, I like, I think Ethan Bear pretty much has all the same qualities that Clef bomb has. Like he thinks the game at a very high level. He's an excellent puck mover. Um, he can play. I mean, he played in the power play in Seattle. He was one of the best power play quarterbacks there uh, in the WHL. Like he, he has, um, all the ability to run a, a PP one. So I'm not concerned there. I'm just, um, obviously you're a little bit concerned him playing top pair minutes. So I, I, I kind of look at with Clef bomb out, instead of trying to find that true number one to replace him, you just kind of promote bear as that number one. And then you find is as good a number two complimentary number two, as you can, like a Mark Mathot with, with Eric Carlson years ago, or, whether it's a Ron Hainsey or Jake Muzzin type player that can kind of fill in for a year or two in the top pair, just so everybody gets back. And then uh, as far as Russell and, and Larson and Benning go, I, I think all three of them, um, they're just for the modern game. I feel like they don't move the puck well enough. And I feel like it's, uh, they're just not, they're part of the problem with this defense core. There's too many guys that are limited. So I think it's, I, I would embrace the youth. And I think as uh, Kyle mentioned, I think Bouchard, I think he will make the team next year. I think you insert him into the lineup and you've got uh, bear playing top pair and just, just get a couple of uh, stop gap defensemen to kind of complement that, like get some depth, get some veteran leaders that they don't have to put up 30 or 40, 50 points, just strong, smart defensemen to complement the youth. But you got to start bringing these guys in number one, Number one defensemen are not usually you don't trade for those guys. You draft them and you develop them. Yeah, others have a few good ones coming here. So you just give Jones more playing time, give Bouchard playing time, give Bear more playing time, and just try and complement them as best you can. That's really all you can do, I think. So I think John too, as we've talked in past episodes as well, and and you even mentioned for goalies right now is the great market for it. I think right now is a great market for any player um, to find it because with the contract or sorry, the cap situation, the way it's going to be firm for the next few years, we've mentioned how players might be taking short-term contracts to ride out this in hopes that when the cap goes up, they'll get a new bigger term, longer deal, or even if it's a shorter deal, but bigger money on it. Um, I mean, I think that we could find veteran help like Sean mentioned there through free agency and not really have to pay top dollar for it. I, I, I agree a hundred percent with what Sean's saying. So the one question I will pose to the both of you is Russell as well as Adam Larson movable right now with Clef bomb going down. Do you, are you, are you fully going in on that youth and replacing via free agency? Or do you think that solidifies Larson and Russell as, Hey, maybe we need another year of these guys. Sean, you take this one first. Well, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have both of them. That's $8 million, Larson and Russell. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you have to be realistic. They're both going to be gone in a year, right? So, like, Larson's a free agent. They're not going to keep him, protect him, or they don't have to protect him for the expansion draft. Um, now, there is a possibility he does resign after that, and he was talking about maybe taking less money, which would be great. Yeah. Um, but Ru- Russell's certainly not going to be back. So, again, you can 
you can try and put those guys in and but at what cost like are you holding Bouchard back are you holding Caleb Jones back more like those guys in in my opinion they're ready for more opportunity here so I mean I would that's a lot of money for those two guys I think I would I would certainly let Russell go because Caleb Jones can handle the third lefty spot as, as far as I'm concerned Right. And then Bouchard would either fill in for Benning or for Larson. There's two guys there. Now bring a veteran in, a steady veteran, probably two steady veterans, a six and a seven, and then just run your top pair. You've got Bear on the right D. Just get that steady veteran on the left D in the top pair and then run Nurse and Caleb Jones. That's a pretty solid three. And then you just go Bear, Bouchard, and whoever else if you keep Larson or Benning. I don't know. Right. I don't know if I kind of answered your question. but No, that does. I, I mean, and I think I'm in a similar boat where – I don't necessarily think that that, you know, before I, I think I was firmly on the Russell needs to go. And I, I like Chris Russell, but at the end of the day, $4 million is too much. He, he's not getting paid near as much. So he's movable to, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of teams that are looking at just filling that salary cap right now and struggling financially. Um, but Lar- Larson, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, my voice is struggling today again. Mm-hmm. Um, Larson was one of those guys that I was looking at where, you know, maybe you look at spending on the defense and you move him out for a little bit of forward help, look for a third line center for Larson, and then you're bringing in a, a right-hand D. I'm, I'm still kind of torn. I think obviously with us knowing the nitty gritty, you know, I'm, I don't know if Larson should move or not. If the right deal comes, uh, comes across the table, obviously then, then pull the trigger. Um, if not, I'm fine with Larson sticking around for another year and, and maybe looking at re-signing him next summer. Um, I, I am with you though. Like, I think, you know, I, I like Chris Russell. He, he just makes too much money and, and we're, we're in a tight cap situation and you look at, you know, now Athanasiu, who I, I'm curious your take, Sean, because I know you were a fan of him dating back to his OHL days. And now it's looking like we're not going to be qualifying him you know, it's, it's a tough money situation. Yeah. I mean, I agree with both of you guys. Again, it's, it's hard not to, right. We kind of (laughs) been talking about it for a while. Like we all know Mm. that Russell needs to be moved out and it's not that he's a bad defenseman by any means. He's very serviceable. He's just the cap hits too much, especially now. Um, And then for Larson to, I'd be happy to keep him. I, I, I do think he's like a solid defenseman, our most physical player on the team right now. And, uh, you know, up there. And, uh, yeah. And <laughs> sorry, you probably saw me kind of pondering your head that. Bald. But, uh, but he also has a contract that's sellable too, right? He's 4.16, I think, right? Yeah, um, somewhere in there. And, and he plays to that value. So you could see him being moved for if you, if you or sorry, like you said, uh, third line center help if the right offer comes along, potentially. Do I want to take away more from our defense when we were just talking about having veterans there to help our youth out? Don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I have trust in Holland that he will do the right thing this offseason. Not taking this OEL deal would be step number one for me. But Yeah. Right. I, I, I like, I like what Sean said of, of embracing that youth. I think that's mm-hmm. just the, you've also got to six, set your youth up for success, right? Like you can't be going into a situation where it's like, okay, Evan Bouchard is a top four defenseman this year, without a doubt, no matter if he sinks or swims, like he's our guy in that role. Like, I, I think you need yeah. to have a backup plan. Yeah. You need some leadership back there. I just, yeah. 
at this point, our leaders are making too much money. So bringing in some guys, I mean, I, th- I think you hit it right on the head there, Sean, of, you know, bringing in some veterans as stop gaps as that, you know, five to seven slot to add a little bit of experience on the back end um, while embracing youth. That, that that's a that's a blueprint that that excites me a lot. Well, yeah, and keep in mind, like the Oilers are spending ten million dollars on their fourth, fifth, and sixth defenseman, right? Like that's a lot of money for oh yeah, Russell, Benning, and 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 Larson. So what I'm yeah, so like what I'm suggesting is just money better spent. So on the fifth and you know, as a fifth or sixth, having one of the young kids play. And then take that money you save and put it towards that number one guy to play the top pair with bear kind of thing. Right. So just kind of moving things around again. Um, you're still bringing in solid veterans, but I mean, this, this team really struggles with moving the puck. And that's kind of my biggest thing with this defense is moving the puck and those bottom four guys. So nurse included nurse, Larson, Russell, and Benning, they just don't move the puck. Well, and yeah. the team gets hemmed in their zone and they're screwed. Right. So get a couple of those veterans out of there, get guys that can move the puck better, whether it's a Tyson Berry for a year or two, maybe perhaps um, get somebody like that. And then the young kids can all move it. That's, that's their strengths. Um, Jones that's what and, we've been waiting for is that Bouchard to come up and have that puck moving ability. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, you have some versatility too, because Jones can play both sides and, you know, yeah. I think he's ready to take a step ahead too. So you can kind of mix and match a little bit. Um but yeah, I mean, they need a shake up for sure. Last year was extremely disappointing. Um, it but was. yeah, embrace the youth and just try and compliment them the best you can. That that would be my strategy. I, I wonder if bringing in something, you know, bringing in that youth and that puck moving ability, I, I really wonder if that allows Darnell Nurse to play more of that, obviously still using his speed to his advantage, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Nurse right now to be that puck moving guy where he doesn't really have that skill set. So yeah, I mean, we saw this year him playing with Bear. Like that was really the only, you know, partner that he found a ton of success with. And Bear is definitely, you know, very capable of moving that puck. So I, I, I wonder if that allows, you know, Nurse, especially if Clefbaum is out, to take over that as I don't want to say a shutdown D, but more of a responsible player. Hopefully, if he's able to do that. I mean, the inconsistency and the boneheaded decisions at times with nurse have been wildly frustrating, but maybe almost taking a little bit off his plate in that puck moving area. Maybe that allows him to solidify in that sense, but time will tell. Yeah. Well, and, and I've always said this since the Oilers drafted Bouchard that Darnell nurse and Evan Bouchard have complementary skill sets. So if you look <laughs> at the strengths of Bouchard, the puck moving ability, the decision-making um, the poise with the puck, um, those are kind of things that nurse struggles with. And then Bouchard kind of struggles with defensively, physicality, things like that. Well, that's what Nurse is good at, right? So if you put those two together, then they should complement each other well, in my opinion, um, and and form a strong pair. So again, I wouldn't be, I'm not on on the boat of, you know, force Bouchard into a top four role and just leave him there. And, but I would suggest uh, trying it and then have, a backup Caleb Jones, for example, could step up. Like have other options, fallback options in case it doesn't work out. But I think he's certainly ready at this point. Um, I mean, he was AHL rookie of the or AHL all-star and he averaged almost a point a game down the stretch. I mean, he's still got some areas to work on defensively, but his skating's much improved. I think he's ready for the jump. So that's part of that, again, embracing that, uh, that youth, right? So, I mean, 
time will tell. We're saying we're talking about all this and, and realistically, maybe nothing will happen. We don't even know when the season's going to start, right? So, yeah, and that, that's, that's a very true. good point. I mean, at the end For of the rumors. day, no one knows. Like trying to predict yeah. the next three months, one month, six months in, in today's climate, who bloody knows at the end of the day. So you had just mentioned the restart when my dad was hanging out with slats that I talked about earlier there, uh, that that's what my dad said they were talking about. They, they had gone through the different proposals. Um, as we know, the December one, um, as well as the January one that obviously they're talking about now. Um, but the, the issue isn't when it starts, of course, the issue is how it's going to be done. And basically what the, Slats was saying is that the players don't want a bubble at all. They want the MLB NFL approach where they can travel around um, and, and freely play in different buildings, be able to see their family. Um, but the issue with that is, is that the MLB and the NFL, like the NFL plays a game a week, the MLB at least plays series in a building together. So they're in one place for at least a little bit of a time. The NFL, you're, or sorry, the NHL, you're playing, you know, two, three, sometimes four games a week. And that's a lot of travel that you're then putting on those players, exposing a lot of risk to everybody involved in the situation. So the league itself wants to have bubbles. They've proposed, again, doing either, pretty sure it was two different periods, but having the Edmonton building and the Toronto building again, which a player shot down immediately. They didn't want like two 40-game periods. So then they talked about doing four bubbles, having the two in Canada, hopefully two in the U.S., if they can get it through with the uh, uh, with the league. Otherwise, it would probably have to be in four in Canada unless our cases spike too. But yeah. the, the hope is to have one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast of the U.S., one in probably Edmonton and Toronto again. And then the players would play 20-ish games in the uh, teams that are contained in each bubble. And then they would rotate the teams around, play new teams, and you would switch to a new city with around a month break in between so that you could visit your family, give time to re-quarantine and get tested again and move back into a new bubble. That's a lot of procedure to go through to get a season done. Yeah, I still think an 80 game season is an insane thing to straight or to uh, to shoot for a goal but yeah. but but who knows i mean who knows obviously they lose money when those tv deals aren't going and and with having no fans there that's a thing and and it's it's weird i mean sean talked earlier about uh london having fans in their building hopefully by uh december having a sellout there i mean you look at dallas they're having sellouts for the cowboy games and i know obviously we're not in the same situation there but it's it's crazy seeing live sports have fans that are in cello buildings and, and, and we're still not, I, I not saying which is the right and wrong approach, but it's just, there, there's it, different it's, approaches it's, to it's, it's, it's understandable yeah. from the player situation being like, why can they do it? And we can't. Yeah. 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 I, I, I wonder, I, I don't want to hang on this too, too much, but I almost wonder if the NHL does start considering playing a more MLB style where, Hey, you play six games against Calgary a year. Now you're going to play it. two, three-game series yeah. in each building mm-hmm. for a week. And you're mm-hmm. there, somewhat locked down with procedures in place, testing in place, and then you travel to the next building. Do you think but, like a home team like has a stand for like 30 games and then they go do road trips around and stay in a bubble? Less than that. Like, yeah. like three to six games and then on the road for three to six games. Like, I mean, who knows? I, yeah. I, I, I mean, like we were saying, if someone out there can predict the next three months, 
Like, you should probably well, bet on it. And, because... and the issue with that, too, not to hang on it too long, too, but, like, those buildings also have different sports played in them, too. Yeah. Half the buildings play basketball in them. You're having it at the same time the season. You're bouncing around. You're now in between two sports that are, you know, yep. exposed yeah. to. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a hell of a situation. It's interesting seeing it happen, but it's crazy, man. Yeah. I'd love I mean, to see an all-Canadian division, at least, where you just, hmm. you know, yeah. no American teams even cross the border. Just Canada plays for even half the season. But, yeah, like hey, you said, who knows yeah. what's going to happen. Hockey in Canada would lose their collective shit. That would be incredible for them. Yeah. Hey, maybe that's what we have to do to finally get a Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. Just go back to, like, hey. This <laughs> Canada is only. We're taking now. it back, yeah. Lock them out at the border. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what has to happen. Um, okay, let's let's jump into the forward group here. So, Sean, I had mentioned about Athens CU. So, I mean, it's yeah. such a small sample size. I know on our last episode where we had you on, you had mentioned that you're a pretty big Athens CU fan as a junior player. Like at that three million number, I know where I stand. But do you think they should qualify him, or do you think the way it's looking right now, where it's looking like he's not going to get a qualifying offer, do you think that's the right approach? I think the Oilers uh, have a lot of wasted money elsewhere. And I think they're short with forwards up front. And I think they should absolutely qualify. I mean, people are panicking $3 million. Like we're paying Russell four. We're yeah. paying, he's Thank on the you. bottom. And I, and I know he's overpaid, but I mean, we're paying Benning two. He's going to get what? Two and a half or something like, yeah. I mean, $3 million for a guy that scored 30 goals last year is, is not insane at all. Now I agree. Like when he came over to Edmonton, he really struggled. Um, and, and, and let's be honest, like he had, he, he certainly had some bad habits playing in Detroit when you're getting blown out every night, like it's, and playing with, you know, whoever the hell he was playing with. Um, he, he certainly developed some bad habits. So it was a bit of an adjustment period. It was a small sample. I, I kind of felt like he couldn't get his, his footing and, uh, when he came to Edmonton, but once there was the time off and he got into the playoffs, I felt like he started to really kind of come around and, I mean, he had a ton of chances there. He just didn't get any breaks. Right? Yeah. Like he mm -hmm. was all around the net there the last couple of games. Um, so, I mean, for me, Edmonton's dying for, for speedy forwards and, and guys that can put in the puck in the net. Yes. It wasn't a great, um, a great showing, I guess, for the, for the few games he was there, but he's the type of player this team needs. And if you let him go, well, who are you going to replace him with? Are we going to get another Patrick Russell for a million dollars or whatever. Yeah. It's worth paying the couple, you know, the $3 million. Um, I realize their, their cap constraint, but that's why you let Benning go. That's why you get rid of Russell for a six round pick to a contender that could use him for a year. Yeah. Just cut some of the dead weight elsewhere. He's still young. He can score. He's blazing fast. He's a guy you should have on your team, in my opinion, not just let him go for nothing, especially since you already paid two second round picks for him. What do you guys thank you, thank at... you. I have so many people talking about, and I, I know John's mentioned, I know he's just being devil's advocate, but the sunk cost fallacy of it. Oh. And, and like, yeah, it was, it was two second round picks. And, and we, uh, sorry, I don't like, we need to keep that player from, for $3 million. And he's still young coming from Detroit. He played 13 games for our team. Like, uh, oh. I, you know, uh, he didn't fit in, but I'd like to see him go through an actual training camp and find line mates and, and be able to produce and build some chemistry together. Like he was bounced around so much and basically almost thrown off the roster at one point because he wasn't producing. And it's, yeah, I, I don't think that he's a player he showed himself to be in Edmonton. I think that, like you said, if we don't get him, who are we going to replace him with? We're, we're begging for Pugliarvi to come back right now. Like we don't have wingers to expend. Yeah. Don't get me started on Pugliarvi. 
Oh, he's the, he's the next one, Sean. Oh, really? Yeah, that oh, was perfect. the next one. Yeah. Oh, God, here we go. Well, and <laughs> Wonderful. I, mean, I completely agree with you guys on Athens CU, and I, I think the biggest thing for me is is you look at our top six. So you have Nuge, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto as your more or less your bonafide top six as of right now. And every Oilers fan across the board should agree that we need to add top six ability wingers. And like you said, Sean, he's a guy with blazing speed. A year ago, he had 30 goals. Like, what are your better options inside the organization? And what are your better options outside of the organization that you can get for 3 million or less? I just, and who knows, maybe they don't qualify him and they give him a two-year deal at two point something. I mean, I have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. I I have no idea what Athanasiu wants, but... I, I just really hope this isn't going to turn into a situation where we don't qualify him and he signs somewhere else. And then whenever the season starts, we're going to say, Oh wow. Really wish we had a top six winger with speed and that could score. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah. Th- that's what I'm scared is going to happen. And go well, see him have extreme success somewhere else, which we've seen time and time again with this organization. Yeah. Or we trade him for, peanuts to pittsburgh and then he goes and scores like that's you said like yeah. goes and scores and every time goals. we play him he like, scores on us too because you know why not yeah, yeah. well p- part of the problem with him too like he's a tricky player like he's certainly yeah. a driver right and i think there was an adjustment period for him uh, learning the system and doing what the coach wanted and and Tippett did kind of allude there a few times that he was doing all the right things so he was trying to fit into the team in the system but then his teammates were also trying to learn how to adjust to play with him as well because he is so fast um, he likes to have the puck on his stick. He's, he's your prototypical F1. Like he's the guy first in the zone, last one out kind of yeah. like McDavid, like that's how he plays. Right. So when they put him on these lines, you know, with, with, even with dry and Yamamoto, both of those guys are F1s, F2s too. They kind of like to do that for the most part. So there wasn't really the chemistry there, but again, even if he's on your third line, I mean, he's a tremendous option on your third mm-hmm. line, regardless, yeah. I think you're a better team with him than without and if you have, like Kyle said, if you have a full training camp where he actually, you know, starts to develop some chemistry with his line mates and, you know, learns the system a bit more, I feel like it's, it's way too early to give up on that guy. And I don't care if you pay two second round picks, just forget about that. Yeah. This guy yeah. is, makes you a better team than not and for $3 million. Who cares? Like that's cut money elsewhere. That's a guy you want on your team, in my opinion. Especially on a one-year deal. Like if it's a qualifying offer where he's not going to get better. And yeah. he signs a one-year deal. Like worst case scenario, you sign him for $3 million. He really doesn't pan out. He scores eight goals this year. And then you let him walk next summer. Like I, I just, yeah. I mean, unless we're the only way I'm happy with letting Athens you walk is if he's, you know, he, that money is the thing holding up the Oilers or making a, you know, a home run of a trade or a, a signing. But I, I look out there and I mean, Petrangelo is likely not coming to Edmonton. I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. I, I don't know if the, the money decision there is right. We talked about OEL. I mean, Taylor Hall has been in the rumors. Like, is, is that really what we need to pay another forward eight, $9 million or a defenseman? Like we're trying to balance this budget. So I, I really don't understand how, you know, not paying Athens youth that $3 million is, is, is a good thing for this team whatsoever. So we, we did mention it though. And the PRV rumors, we, we, it pretty much comes up on every one of our episodes, Sean, because every single week there's more tweets of, oh, pretty much nothing. But it's all just talking about 
Yeah, getting closer. We're hopeful. Now, I, was it you that had tweeted out where you were kind of pessimistic, for lack of a better word, where the terminology they were using of being hopeful, I mean, at this point, you would, if they were hopeful, you'd think that they'd have a deal locked up. It's not happening. Like, I don't know. People are living in this fantasy land that Pugliarvi is going to come back and he's going to play top six and he's going to do fantastic. I mean, it's not going to happen. If, if he wanted to be in Edmonton, there's plenty of opportunity for him to do it before. And if we're still playing the guessing game, oh, well, it's getting closer. He might want to. It's, it sounds like he's, he's kind of, it's, it's not happening. If he wanted to come back, he'd say, yes, I'm coming back. Water yeah. under the bridge. I'm good to go. Let's sign the contract. Let's go. He's not doing that. Why is he not doing that? Because he wants to be traded. He's always wanted to be traded. Nothing's changed. The fact that he's doing well in, in Sweden. I mean, that's, he playing for Sweden or Finland? Playing for Finland, uh, sorry. He's in the SHL, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Or no, sorry. Is he, he's in Liga, isn't he? Yeah, Liga. Yeah, he's in Liga. Um, yeah, the fact that he's doing well, that's great for his trade value. But he left for a reason. He didn't want to come back for a reason. And I know he had injuries and all these other things. You want to get healthy. But that yeah. was a long time ago. And this is a different coaching staff, different GM, different everything. What is the holdup? Why is it not happening? And the reason is because he doesn't want to. I mean, I, th- I think the interesting thing is his best shot at getting traded is to come play 20, 30 games and actually look like an NHL winger. So, I mean, I guess all I'm saying is I think that you're kind of the voice of reason in this, but I hope you're wrong. (laughs) Well, I think you're dreaming, really, because realistically, when he comes back to Edmonton, do you really, let's say he does, do you really expect him to just start clicking with McDavid or or Dreisel? I don't. I feel like he's going to struggle again. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him, and there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period. So I look at the... Jesse Pugliarvi scoring champ of Liga is greater than a third liner in Edmonton, Jesse Pugliarvi. So I feel like if you're talking about buy low, sell high, I don't think his value is going to be any higher right now. There is still a bit of unknown and I'm sure other organizations have sent scouts over to watch him and they're impressed with his play there. I feel like they will be disappointed if he gets to Edmonton and he starts getting into the old habits and it's not working out. Right. I would certainly I mean, especially with such little draft picks this year, I would love if they just moved him now before this draft and just get what we can and move on. Do you think it's in the realm of possibility of getting like a second round pick in this draft back for Jesse Pugliarvi? Well, it should be, right? Like, I mean, it's the guy, like I, I, I guarantee there are other general managers that look at Jesse Pugliarvi right now and think that player can play in my top six. And if, right maybe not in Edmonton, but in, in other organizations. So, and a lot of, a lot of these GMs will just blame Edmonton. Well, it's just another prospect they wasted. They, you know, they, they mishandled him, whatever. And they think they can, they can change him or he can have an impact on their team. A second round pick is nothing for that. It's like a 16% chance. A second round pick even makes the NHL, right? I could see a team with a late first saying a couple of first round picks and, you know, we'll give you a late first for him and and take a shot at him because he's further along in his development than an 18 year old would be. Right. Um, even Ottawa, so yeah, I, I think he's movable for sure. Yeah. Like Ottawa has so many picks, like why yeah. not take a shot at him? Right. I, I mean, I don't disagree with you in that sense. I mean, if, if you can actually get some type of asset or a decent draft pick back, I have no problem moving. Yes. I just wonder if that was, if, if a team was putting that on the table, I mean, maybe Holland's asking prices are just too astronomical at that point, but 
you've got to imagine through this whole process, he may have moved him if that was the price, but we'll see with the draft on Tuesday. We'll see if anything kind of pops up there. Um, the last topic I wanted to talk about before we dive into the draft here. And, uh, We've been we've been talking a long time about the Oilers, so we wanted to get your opinion because you're an Oilers fan. But obviously, I mean, you're you're our draft guru, if you will. So we want to yeah. uh, we want to get your take yeah. there too. But last yeah. question: the Nuge extension. What what price are the two of you happy with? Like, what price do you go up to for Nuge? You go ahead, Kyle. Um, during this cap climate. I don't think he goes up that much, to be honest. I think like six and a half is the seven, maybe. But I think that he's a great two-way forward, but I think he's undervalued throughout the league. I don't think he reaches much higher than that in the free agency. Term-wise, I'd like to see him obviously stay here as long as he can. I, I want him to retire here just like a lot of Oilers fans do. Um I don't know. I, I'm I'm at a loss contract wise for him. What do, what do you say, Sean? Well, I had to look up see how old he was. It seems like he's been there forever. Um, he's so he's 27, right? Yeah. He'll be, I guess, 28 by the end of the season next season. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you as far as money goes. I don't think he's. I don't think I would go much higher than six and a half. I mean, he deserves a bit of a raise, I guess. But the um, yeah, like if he's anywhere talking seven point five eight million, the Oilers can't afford that. Yeah, he's valuable to the team for sure. Mm-hmm. Six and a half for five or six years, I think, would be ideal and probably be the max. I think yeah. I gladly go. I to think seven that's the deal that gets done, like around that number, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think I would pay seven right now to lock him up. But if it's above that, I'd pay seven for sure. But six and a half is probably, I think, where it's, it's six and a half is a same, you're same thing out of the park. Really, I think yeah. in that in that situation, but the the biggest thing with with Nuge and in a sense, how he holds the cards. I mean, we don't have a ton of forwards that are really solid two way forwards and this team struggles at defense. So, I mean, if I'm Tippett and Holland's telling me, Hey, Nuge is not going to be here long-term. I- I'm telling Holland, you have to replace that defense somehow. Cause looking at that roster and that forward group, I mean, we don't have the depth scoring, but we don't really have the defensive players either. So, I mean, yeah. Nuge definitely, has a substantial amount of value for us. Um, I'm just going to play a quick promo here for the hockey podcast network. It's actually funny enough. It's the bolts broadcast. So uh, the Stanley cup champion Tampa Bay bolts broadcast. Do you want a true champions perspective? Well, come on over to the bolts broadcast where we talk about the Tampa Bay lightning, have some friendly banter and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. Anthony. Anthony Nunschwander. It's it's any U-E-N. It's Neuenschwander. Anthony Neuenschwander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know. I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. Took it for two years? Oh no, Jado yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was like asleep in all of German too. Oh, you, you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was like me, 
and I don't know five other people and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible class <laughs> no we weren't a terrible class a couple people were terrible people uh, not gonna you. mention names not gonna call it anybody in this pot it was Chase Crawshaw it was 100% <laughs> not me oh boy I know a couple of those names but uh, yeah it's a good point Chase we won't mention those here New episodes every Monday, only on the Hockey Podcast Network. They must have recorded that one before the cup. I was expecting some type of mention, but a little bit of digging in. Um, Anyways, let's move on to the draft here. So, Sean, um, you, you have an article out, and I was wondering if you would kind of run down your five guys of who the Oilers are, are likely to have available and how you kind of rank those guys, the pros and cons, all of that, um, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, so at number 14, yeah, I think the, I think it's pretty clear that the Oilers should be going forward here. I'm getting nervous hearing about Caden Gooley on defense as a possible fit. I think we've already established that, you know, we have enough depth in the organization in terms of defensive prospects. But like, if you look at you know, the, the top forward prospects in Edmonton, you're looking at Tyler Benson, Raphael Lavoie and Ryan McLeod. Those they're all second round picks. All guys, in my opinion, are um, questionable top six players. I mean, there's a lot of inconsistencies with, with Lavoie. I'm not convinced he's going to be a top six player. Um, and then Benson, same idea. I mean, it could be third line players, but there's no guarantees they're top six. And at number right. 14, I think there's hopefully the draft kind of falls our way for once. Um, I kind of feel like there's high quality forwards. There's going to be a couple available at number 14. So yeah, in that article, I just kind of highlighted a few that I thought would be great fits for, for Edmonton. And really, I, I mean, realistically, I've kind of narrowed it down to three. There's three guys. And if, if any of those three are not there, then in Edmonton trades down and acquires a second round pick, for example, or offloads a contract, I'd be all for that, but I don't think they can afford to, um, pass on these three guys. And, and those three guys are Jack Quinn, Seth Jarvis, and Rody and Amiroff. Um, Amiroff and Quinn are late 2001 birthdays or so a little bit older. So yeah. they're actually closer to the NHL. Like by the time this season, whenever this upcoming season, by the time it's over, who knows if, when that's going to happen, but they might be ready to go after this, this upcoming season. Like they may be able to jump in the lineup. Um, and they're both physically strong. So Quinn plays for Ottawa 67s, the OHL. He's a guy that scored a ton of goals for, for he led the OHL in goals there. He's, uh, he kind of reminds me a lot of Kyle Connor. He's got good speed, but he's, he's a shooter. He's, he's a shooter and he's a scorer, uh, right-handed shot. He can play both wings. He's kind of the perfect compliment to McDavid. We've been saying year after year after year, we need somebody to play with McDavid enough of the tie ratty experiments or Zach Cassian or whoever else. <laughs> Let's just, get let's just get a guy that can shoot right yeah interesting so. and i i mean that's one of the things that i i really can't agree with you more because especially one of the big things that stands out to me there is with the old birthdays and them you know saying that hey this might not be something where you have to wait two three four years down the road that this is someone that probably isn't slotting into the lineup this year like most first round picks aren't minus maybe a couple guys at the top of the top of the round but someone that can slot in in the next year, maybe halfway through that second season. Um, yeah. that, that, that's, I mean, that's got to be appealing to any Oilers fans listening. 
Um, and and Quinn is sorry, he was the one you said was a right hand, and he can play either wing. He can, yeah. And and the thing with Quinn, it's really interesting. Is um, so people that don't really follow it too much, I know Marco Rossi is another top ten pick. Uh, in this draft and and some people kind of get the misconception that he played a lot with Rossi or benefited a lot from Rossi, but he really didn't. He didn't even play on that line. He was on the second line pretty much the whole year driving that second line. Obviously, obviously they played together in power play in that, but right. um, yeah, but, but Quinn's gritty. Um, he, he plays a lot on the penalty kill. He's very dangerous on the penalty kill. He's a, he's a well-rounded player. He's defensively responsible, but he's really interesting in that, he had a growth spurt at age, you know, 17, 18, like last year, the season before, I think he was 5'10", 165 pounds. And then he just shot right up. Uh, he got a lot stronger. He got a lot faster. He's kind of one of those late bloomers right. uh, that you look for that just kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, and he just exploded last year. So, I mean, he would be the ideal fit. Now, whether he's available at 14, who knows, but, I think he would be number one on my list as far as best fits for Edmonton. And then okay, the other guys I mentioned. And you don't think, I know there's always kind of that eternal debate of position of need over best player available. You don't think yeah. there's any defensive prospects that might slip that are just that level of can't miss prospect where you would completely abandon what the Oilers might need on the wing and attack, even add more defense. Well, there's only two defensemen that are top 10 worthy, in my opinion, Jamie Drysdale and, and Jake Sanderson. And I don't think uh, either one of those are going to drop to 14. I just, I mean, I can't see it happening. Too many teams yeah. need defensemen. Right. Um, and then, I mean, depending on who you talk to, Braden Schneider or Caden Gooley are the third best defensemen on the board, but I don't think they're top 15 material. But you, you, you've got to kind of look at... I mean, if you do your due diligence, you kind of look ahead as well. Next season is just loaded with defensive prospects. Mm -hmm. Just it could be the it could be the best draft for defensive prospects in, in a decade. It's loaded, so you have to kind of take that into consideration as well, in my opinion. Um, and, and look at the depth you already have in the organization. Like you've already taken defensemen back to back the last two years with your your first round picks, right? Bouchard yeah. and, and Broberg. I mean, if Broberg's going to be a number one defenseman, why are you even taking Caden Gooley? At best, right. he's going to be a second pair defenseman. And are you, are you really going to take a second pair defenseman 14th overall? Like, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So Especially it's, yeah, in a draft it's so definitely got to be the, it's got to be the pick here. I'm going to be really, really upset. Yeah. So if uh, Jack Quinn is gone, who's number two on your wish list? So Seth Jarvis would be number two. Um, in my top 31 overall rankings, I actually put Jarvis ahead of Quinn overall. Um, mm -hmm. You talked about best player available and and um, and, as for, and and fit. I think Quinn is probably a better fit for Edmonton. Uh, just like last year or a couple of years ago, I had Noah Dobson ahead of Evan Bouchard. I thought Dobson was the better overall prospect, but Bouchard probably fit a bit better to Edmonton because they really needed that offensive power play quarterback. Right? Same idea here. Um, Jarvis kind of reminds me a lot of Matthew Barzell and I mean, kind of like Yamamoto as well. Like his numbers are, are, are similar to that. He really likes to drive the play. He's more of a flashy type style that, that really pushes the pace and, and, and drives the play. And we already have McDavid on one line doing that and dry saddle and Yamamoto can kind of do that as well. That's why I think Quinn would be a bit more of a, a better fit just because he'd be complimentary to what we have 
currently, but Seth Jarvis should be a phenomenal NHL. So he'd definitely be number two on my list. You can't go wrong with either. If they went Quinn and Jarvis, that's great. Okay. And I mean, I, I think that's a huge point when you're looking at the compatibility with our lineup and you've got to imagine Yamamoto, Drysettle and McDavid are going to be with this team for a very long time moving forward. So adding Mm -hmm. that kind of Kyle Connor comparable and that, that sniper and that goal scorer, pure goal scorer is how you would describe him. Is that fair? Yeah. Jack Quinn. He's an, he's a natural scorer. He's got a dynamite shot and release. Right. And, and we need a right-handed shot on the power play (laughs) for how many years for forwards too. Right. So it's, it's pretty much a no brainer for me. So if, if he's there at 14 and he's not the pick, I'm just going to lose it because he's, again, he's, he's a great fit in my opinion. There might be some rioting in the streets in London if that happens. Eh? <laughs> I might have to deactivate my Twitter account for a bit. <laughs> well, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> we need yeah. that. Uh, we need that knowledge coming our way via Twitter. Um, yeah. So if in the event that Jarvis and Quinn are both off the board, you mentioned mm-hmm. your third prospect earlier. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So Rody and Amirov, I know uh, some Oilers fans are not big on Russians, but um I mean, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. I kind of see Rody and Amirov. His game is very similar to um, Andre Sveshnikov of Carolina. I call him like Sveshnikov light. Um, he's, he's a puck possession beast. He plays in the KHL um, with obviously players that are older than him, but boy, does he put up a fight. Like he battles hard. He never stops moving. He's got a great work ethic. Um, you always talk about, you know, there's, there's guys that kind of get you there and there's guys that kind of get you through. Well, he's kind of one of those get you through guys. He's got that playoff style. He doesn't back down, but he's got lots of talent too, like lots of skill. And, and he's, he's a real smart, heady player who works hard. Um, and I think he would, Edmonton needs more of those guys too. I saw, yeah. I, I think Tyler Wright tweeted out, we need more guys that are make us tough, tougher to play against or, or drag us into the fight. And Amirov's one of those guys. So he fits that mold. Uh, yeah. He fits that mold for sure. And and I know Edmonton doesn't have a great history with uh, Russian players, but Ken Holland does. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think he would, we don't really have anybody like him with that kind of skill on top of everything else. So I, I think he would be a real nice pick as well for Edmonton. When you, um, we were talking about goaltending earlier. Now, there's quite a few Oilers fans that are really hoping that Askarov slips to Edmonton at 14. What would you say, um, for one, if the Oilers had taken Askarov, and, and what would you say to those fans that are really, really set on that over some of those forward prospects? If the Oilers, well, first of all, I do not think Askarov's going to be there at all. I think he's gone right. top 10 for sure. Absolutely. There's no chance he's going to be there. And I've said that before other prospects and I was wrong. So (laughs) with the NHL, you never know, but um, yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal talent. If he were to slip to 14 Edmonton takes him. I mean, I can't argue with the pick like Edmonton needs a goalie. Right. And this kid looks like he's the real deal. Um, Although, I mean, in the NHL, again, it's um, there's not a lot of first round picks for goalies that have gone on and been stars. Like I think if I was looking earlier in the year and I think the top 40, goalies and safe percentage or goal and goals against i think only six of them were first round picks like it's not a huge percentage right you can find Bennington's and murray's and third rounds and things like that right so i'd still be a little bit hesitant but i mean i'd be on board with the pick for sure because it makes 100 percent complete sense right and it really that would really solidify our goalie pipeline where you, you look at that and you've got rodrigue 
Skinner, Konovalov, and adding Askarov or Askarov to that. I mean, yeah. th- those are four pretty legitimate prospects where you, when you look at that and I mean, me and Kyle always say that goalies are voodoo, but you, you're buying a lot of lottery tickets to that franchise goalie lottery. Yeah, the only downside is a scarf might not be ready for a couple of years at least, right? Whereas right. a guy like Quinn or Amirov, you could plug in twenty twenty one, right? Yeah. So it's it's you do have to kind of take that in consideration, and then you have to just look at your own evaluations and how confident are you that Rodrigue Skinner or Kanoff or whatever his name is, um, that he's going to be one of these guys are going to have an impact in the next couple of years. Right. It, it's it's always an interesting thing. I mean, I, I don't think there's a really any argument that one could come up with that our forward pipeline doesn't need quite a bit of help. Like you, you listed off kind of that depth chart and we really don't have any of those guys pushing and, and you look at, I mean, we have guys pushing, but no one that has that first line definitive second line talent. And you look at the success of teams, NHL teams over the years. And I mean, very rarely does a team not have some type of forward prospects coming in the year that they win the cup and kind of pushing them over the top. I mean, Tampa right now, I'm actually kind of having a tough time thinking of anybody, but I mean, they're probably more the exception to the rule considering how stacked that roster's been for the last, you know, two, three years and even more so this last year. But a lot of times, I mean, you look at Yamamoto coming into our lineup this year and, and how much of a change that made to our team and we don't really have any more of those guys. It's a lot more just kind of those B B minus prospects that you're still hopeful of, but probably aren't going to come in and be a, a game changer day one. Yeah. Well, Anthony Sorelli is a great example for Tampa. I mean, yeah. he's oh, one of their you. top prospects and, and he stepped in and was fantastic. Mitchell Stevens got in a bit. He used to play in London. Um, they have a lot of forward prospects that are, like you said, are kind of on that cusp. So when they lose, Tyler Johnson or where they lose, you know, whoever they're going to lose, they have guys already there that can just step right in. Right. So right. they're really set up well. Uh, but yeah, with Edmonton, there's, there's no real legit forward prospects, top six forward prospects. Anyways, they're all question marks at this point. So yeah, maybe again, middle it, six. It, it makes no, yeah. Or, or bottom six. Sorry to cut you off there, Sean. <clears throat> okay. Um, I did want to ask as well. So when you look at the Oilers, um, draft pick. So right now we have the 14th overall pick. We have the 76th, which from my understanding, they still have not announced if they're going to send that pick to Calgary or not. And then they have the 138th, 169th and 200th. So we know that this is a very deep draft, especially on the forward side. Do you have kind of a pick or area of the draft where you think that talent drops off fairly substantially? Um, I don't think it's overly better than any other given year. Okay. Um, I mean, it's the defensive depth is, is really lacking in this draft this year. Like you said, it is more kind of forward heavy. Um, I really like, there's a lot of guys I like in the second round to be perfectly honest. There's a lot of guys, Tristan Robbins out West, Ty Tulio, uh, Tristan Robbins plays for Saskatoon. Ty Tulio plays for uh, Oshawa in the OHL. Um, Vasily Ponomariev plays in the QMJHL. I'm a big fan of him. All these guys are projected to go the second round. Um, I would I would love for us to get a second round pick and, and take one of those guys. Um, as far as the drop off, I mean it, it, it's hard to tell. Like, I mean there's there's certain guys in every round that I like, and I've, I've got a mock draft coming out all seven rounds before the draft um, on was it Tuesday? 
the Tuesday the draft is? Yeah, uh, yes, Tuesday for yeah, the first Tuesday. round and yeah, then Tuesday. Wednesday. So I've got a, um, a seven-round <clears throat> mock draft coming out, and let's hope Edmonton doesn't give away their third-round pick or it's going to be a, a short article, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to tell. There's always, there's always a couple guys here and there, and you, you don't really know when they're, where they're going to go. You just kind of project the best you can based on these other outlets that kind of put up their lists. You can right. kind of get a feel where they're going to go, but. You see it every year. So many NHL teams kind of taking that not really consensus is a bad word because there's really never a consensus in any of these rankings, but you take the yeah. assumed list and so many teams go way off the board where they, they identify that guy in the second or third round that a lot might have in the fifth and, and take him. So I imagine that's got to be a very difficult part of what you do. Yeah. Well, I don't take, I don't get too into mock drafts of that. Like I right. just kind of take it with a grain of salt. That's why when I put out mine, I just do a top 31 list. So who I think are the best top 31 prospects. And to be fair, I don't really scout the entire world. I right. just focus on the CHL and then maybe the you know top 15 or 20 European prospects. I try and do what I can there, but I really just kind of focus on the CHL, right? So it's kind of hard for me to do a full seven round market. Like I don't know how people, one person puts out a top 210 and they've got like write-ups on all of them. They must be stealing it from somebody. Yeah. There's no way, they can do, there's no way you can do all that. Like it's just yeah. not even possible. And I mean, um, you see the bigger, um, the bigger uh, organizations that create draft guides and stuff like the I'm trying to think elite prospects. Were they the one that dropped like a 1400 page yeah. draft guide? Like the they've got guys from all over that are, this guy's scouting the KHL. This guy's doing blah, blah, blah. This guy's doing whatever league, right? So, and I mean, even then, yeah how reliable is all of that info? Like when you're talking about, you know, it's, got it's a crapshoot at the guys. end. Like we yeah. see it every year. It, does, it doesn't matter where you rank people. It's where they're, they're drafted. It's a guessing game, man. Like you can pretty much put out any article you want after like the third round and you can be fairly on point. Like as long as you have the averages and know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of people that fake it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, no question. Well, like even elite prospects, they were talking there, what is it, May or June? They were just apparently just discovering Tristan Robbins, who I've been talking about since November. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a steal, right? I'm like, how, if, if you're elite prospects and you're supposed to cover all these leagues, how do you not have a WHL scout or somebody in Saskatoon? Telling you about that. Yeah. How do yeah. you not know that, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. Because they're, I mean, there's a reason why NHL teams have regional scouts. Yeah, so elite prospects, like I said, they they don't even have enough people to cover everything. I don't know how anybody can even pretend that they know every single player on there, but they're trying to sell magazines, they're trying to sell guides and make money, right? And that's right, you know, good for them on that. But um, one thing I wanted, I just want to plug if I can, kind of sneak in there. Absolutely. Is, um, so what I'm, so what we're trying to do this year at the All Night Prospect Network is I've got um, three other guys that are working with me now, one for each each region um, I've set them all up with full subscriptions for everything, like for all the games. So we have a Quebec scout, for example, and he has access to every single Quebec game from that league this year. Um, and then it's going to be the same thing for the OHL and the WHL. And then I kind of just cover all three of them myself. Um, so what we're doing is trying to put out premium content, giving you all kinds of opinions and, and showing lots of video and breakdowns on that. We're trying to be the most reliable resource in terms of scouting of the CHL. But um, I just want people to know that um, it's not made up. It's not uh, 
we're not a cook a cookie cutter group we kind of have our own opinions that a lot of people don't agree with but we also have the resources now where like i said we have full access to everything at least chl wise so you you can you can be confident knowing that we're we know what we're talking about and it's it's backed by you know hundreds and thousands of hours of video because we all, none of us have a life it's all hot right? <laughs> yeah. we're pretty so, so we're pretty excited about that i mean i've kind of been doing it on my own for the last few years last year i had um my good friend Yannick St. Pierre, Draft Dynasty, he was kind of helping us out. Sorry, guys. Tyler, and Tyler Campbell as well, soups on, on hockey. Uh, but this year we've kind of ramped it up a bit more. So that's what we're doing. We're just trying to expand coverage, give fans as much content as they can handle. And uh, hopefully we can draft a few guys from the CHL for the Oilers. That sounds absolutely awesome. And I mean, I imagine with with adding more opinions to to your network, there's going to be some, a lot of discussion and I mean, maybe even some disagreement amongst the four of you, I'm going to assume as well. Yeah. Well, it's good to have different opinions, right? For sure. I mean, as long as like, I always say scouting is subjective. Like you could watch 10 games of a guy and think he looks outstanding. I could watch the next 10 games of that guy and think he stinks. Right. And we're both right. Both of our opinions are right, but we caught him at different times. So um, having the resources available where we can all access this content. We have every single game all year of every single CHL league. I think that's going to help the content, the quality of it. And you'll probably, we'll probably end up coming to similar conclusions, but we're all different. We all have different opinions and we're not going to ridicule each other for it. Like some of the, these other, uh, these other outlets do, but hopefully it'll, uh, like I said, hopefully it'll, it'll up the quality on Twitter and fans will enjoy it. No, well, that's you're you're definitely going to have a, a, a bare minimum two of us paying very close attention to that because we we've really enjoyed your um your draft and your scouting coverage uh, over the mm. last year or two since we've we've got more into this podcasting and and yeah you've definitely been a, a valuable resource so we'll be following closely and that that's definitely extremely exciting um as far as the content you guys are putting out so are you mainly going to stick with the blogging as well as Twitter. Or do we? Are they, will there be any premium content, draft guides, uh, more podcasting, potentially anything like that in the in the works? We're certainly not going to charge fans anything. It's all going to okay. be free. Uh, I'm kind of just taking care of that myself. I, eventually, though, down the road, keep an eye out for some merchandise. Okay, we might there have you some. Go. Merch, <laughs> we might have some merch coming to help uh, supplement that. But we're not going to charge any money for anything. I mean, we all do this as hobbies. It's not our life. We all have real jobs. Um, I just enjoy doing this on, on the side. It's, it's my passion for sure. Um, so, so yeah, what was your, what was your question there? Um, I was just curious if you guys were, um, like what kind of content you were going to be putting out as far as draft guides or podcasting or, or stickling mainly, mainly, excuse me, mainly to the literature. Um, I know you had podcasts in the past and were, are you still yeah. doing that? It's kind of hit and miss. I, I consider okay. myself a part-time podcaster when I have time for it. Um, we're, we're going to try and put out as much as we can based on the time we have available. Right. So right. I don't like to really commit to something a hundred percent because it, it does vary. Uh, but there will obviously the blog will still be going. That's kind of our main source of information. And then Twitter is kind of the, uh, the engine that drives that all four of the, uh, the guys that, that are part of the network, they're going to be tweeting out videos all the time, highlight so people can see that. And every once in a while, I'll just comprise a list or complies uh, like a collage or whatever of uh, certain prospects. And it, it's still under construction a bit, and we're still going to cover all the Oilers uh, prospects included in that. Uh, so it's a lot of work, 
Yeah. And right now it's, it's a busy time with the draft and guys playing over in Europe. But uh, yeah, that's, we're just going to try and do what we can. Again, we're only, we're only four people. We're not, we're not getting any money for this, but we'll do our best to give you everything we can and expect the occasional podcast. Maybe. No, that sounds, uh, that sounds terrific. Um, we will make sure for anyone listening that maybe doesn't follow uh, SPR. Um, we'll make sure we throw your guys's Twitter tags um, uh, in the uh, tweet and the announcement. So check us out on Twitter and that'll be in the body of this podcast as well. So you guys can get some more draft content and Oilers prospect content there. Um, was there anything else, uh, Kyle, that you wanted to ask Sean or anything else you wanted to mention, Sean, while we, while we have you? I mean, personally, I was just going to thank Sean again for coming onto our podcast. It's always a pleasure having him here. He's obviously one of the most knowledgeable people that we get on now a, a regular basis, hopefully here and there. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, always a pleasure, man. Yeah, I just want to say, Oilers fans, I really appreciate all the support and, and John and Kyle in particular as well. Um, it's a great fan base. When I first started doing this, the website, um, it was just kind of, something to do a bit of a blog where right? I'll just talk about it here and there and maybe I'll show a, a few clips and you know fans are, are pretty passionate in that market for it and I love doing it and fans want more content so I just try and do the best and provide as much as I can so we've ramped it up a bit here and again I, I appreciate all the support and uh, if you ever feel like talking hockey you want to dm me I know lots of people do I'm, my dms are always open I try not to act like I'm too big or yeah. too cool for anybody i'm if you want to talk hockey let's do it like i don't care right um so yeah thanks again for everybody and thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it hey thank you very much for taking the time we know it's a uh a busy time of year for you so we we really appreciate um you sharing your knowledge with us and and taking the time out of your day so and we'll uh definitely looking forward to chatting with you again in the future we'll uh we'll see how the draft goes and and be definitely looking for some more opinions uh coming from from your side there after the others take it forward, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if they they manage to take a defenseman or uh, we're definitely getting you back and having you ran for a bit. Yeah, we, I we will might be just MIA. Give you a couple days to cool off. Though. <laughs> you won't find me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> thank you so much again, Sean, and uh, thank you for everyone listening. This has been another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. Catch us out or check us out. Excuse me on Twitter at Oil Country Pod. Um, as well as the Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. Have a great week, everybody.